Welcome to another episode of the Text Help Talks podcast. As always, we've got a host of experts covering a range of topics from education right through into the workplace. So make sure you subscribe to your preferred podcast player or streaming service so you never miss an episode. And of course, as always, you can also join the conversation using the hashtag Text Help Talks on Twitter. We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. And of course, any questions that may have for my wonderful guest here today, we'll be sure to put those to him and we'll include that in the show notes after today. I'm Paddy McGrath. I'm Head of Education Strategy here at the Text Help Group. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Mr. Simon Tanner as our very special guest today on our podcast. Simon has, of course, been a friend of Text Helps and my own for some time now. And I'm so excited to at long last have the opportunity to interview him. So Simon, of course, is Director of SEND at the Bohunt Education Trust. Simon's been working at Bohunt School Liphook since September 2007. Having started as an NQT within the PE department, Simon was promoted to subject leader for the Certificate of Professional Effectiveness and held pastoral middle leadership posts before applying for the position of Senko. Since completing his National Senko accreditation qualification, Simon has been in post at Bohunt School and helped to establish the support for learning department at Worthing and also at Wokingham. Simon is passionate about ensuring the best outcomes for students identified with special education needs and actively seeks opportunities for students to succeed and remove barriers to learning experiences. Simon's vision for special educational needs across the trust is to ensure that SEND is viewed as a key priority by all staff and that all teachers are teachers of SEND. Simon has recently been successful in becoming a select member of the Matt SEND Leadership Programme, which is part of the whole school SEND. And we're really looking forward to having a chat with Simon. And just by way of introduction, to today's topic. A key part, of course, of any exam access arrangement is that it's part of a student's normal way of working. And this means that making the exam room a level playing field starts really by making sure that the learning throughout the year is inclusive at all times. It's about embedding inclusion into the design and delivery of teaching every day and continuing it through the exams process. But the question that we're going to address today with Simon is what is a normal way of working? And what does this look like within the realities of a busy classroom environment? We're going to find out from Simon what this means to him and the team at Bohan Trust and get his advice on how we can support all students to produce their best work, get the help they need, and of course not be in any way disadvantaged when it comes to sitting those end-of-year high-stake exams. And like everything, and as uh, identified in Simon's uh, bio, as we've just went through, we all together want to make sure that every single pupil under our care can reach their full potential. So, Simon, um, that is probably one of the longest bios that uh, I think I've read out in quite some time. But it's a huge pleasure to welcome you. So welcome to uh, Text Help Talks. It's a long time, but you're very, very welcome to our episode today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Paddy. And thank you for having me on. Been looking forward to this for uh, quite a while. Absolutely. And I did notice the tweets coming up uh, in advance of today. So it it kind of felt like you were a little bit of a kid before Christmas time for this. So I know you're really going to deliver for us on this episode, eh? No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Simon, <laughs> um, uh, we're, we're going to go through quite a, a few things today and I'm keen as we go through today to find out about the practice that you have put in place. We'll maybe explore a little bit uh, more about uh, the leadership roles that you have in place, some of the wider trust initiatives. But yeah. I, I wanted to start off just by maybe thinking about some examples uh, in particular to your situation. And if we think about, think about exams, so let's start there. Think about the end of year piece, first of all. Um, and in a practical sense, 
well, you know, what does exams look like in terms of the inclusive practice you've got to put in place? So forget about during the year. When it comes to exams, what sort of um, mechanisms, what sort of arrangements do you currently put in place at the trust or indeed at the specific school you work in um, with regards to inclusion? Great question um, and a good one to kick us off with. And I think what we've tried to do, you know, and I'm going to constantly refer back to your main point about normal way of working. What we've tried to do is ensure that when the students get to that point of their sitting their final exam, it is what they are used to. So it is the process they've had for their mocks in year 11, whether that be one or two occasions. Um, so for us in the trust, that's approximately around about now. Um, and they've also had a mock process before uh, Christmas, around the end of uh, November. Um, and equally, any year 10 assessments as well. So they've, they've had multiple opportunities um, as students to sit assessments exams as they would do when they come to then the formal one at the end of year 11 whatever that may look like this year Um, because obviously for the last two years they haven't had them and that's caused issues in itself Uh, not necessarily within our main school but certainly up in sixth form level because the students aren't in the process of sitting as they would have done previously so what we've got is we've got your main hall along with what most schools uh, will have and you've got your batch on the side that will have their extra time what we've then sort of put into place alongside that is two separate classrooms where we have students that would have uh, computer readers scribes use of word processors uh, rest breaks or a combination of um, any one of those things along along with coloured paper, enlarged papers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they have within that, they have structured seating plan that doesn't change. So their seat is their seat. Um, that remains in place throughout. So they have consistency. They have routine. They know the process, what's going to happen. They know what time they need to arrive. Um, and then they're not bothered or impacted by other students then leaving. We've tried to ensure where possible that they are in an area of the school that is quiet, is calm, isn't bothered by other students coming out of lessons, going into lessons, break times, lunch times, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because we've seen in the past that this can have an impact at certain times. Um, the other thing we always try to ensure we've got, as I'm sure most schools do, is that we've got members of the IT support department on standby so that they can support any issues with technology because you always have them. Um, yeah. You know, the, the main reason why we have these mocks is to iron out these issues. But you always get them in terms of, you know, battery life, laptops not syncing, not working, coming on, you know, whatever it may be. So we've got to ensure that we've got someone there that can sort those out immediately for the students. Because otherwise, if they're waiting half an hour, 45 minutes or more to start their exam, well, that's not going to put them in the best mind. And we're already talking about a vulnerable group of students who yeah. potentially – you know, are panicking, are nervous, are lacking confidence, self-esteem, you know, whatever it may be about that exam. And we don't want to heighten those levels of anxiety. So in terms of what it would look like right at the very end, we try to make sure it matches the process they've been through beforehand. And seeing it in that typical exams um, situation you've talked about, what sort of yeah. percentage of students are we talking about typically, say, across the trust or specific school examples? I mean, is that does that look like 10% of students with access arrangements, 50%? What does that look like for you as a trust? Great question. Um, so it differs. 
across the trust in terms of cohorts? Uh, it's a great question to ask me because I'll be getting that data this Friday. Uh, <laughs> so, I can, <laughs> so I can quite happily send that across to you and you can add that in uh, and that can go underneath. I know for Lipbook, which is the school where I'm based at, we're sitting at just above 18% um, wow. for students with a form of access arrangement, which is beneath, you know, if you look at some of the figures that are out there, certainly uh, within the independent sector. But of course, they've got a smaller percentage, a smaller number of students. So therefore, the percentages are higher um, in in some cases, not in all. But, you know, it's certainly something that we are passionate about and we do back to ensure that we level the playing field. You know, some of these processes are tough enough for the students out there already in terms of maybe having to recall three years worth of knowledge in an hour and a half paper. So what we need to try and ensure is that they've got every possible chance to do that. And that's where those arrangements help. Suppose you have you have a, a you've talked about a mix there, but you have uh, computer readers. So whether that be pens or laptops, you've also got scribes in there as well. And that, of course, through the years has obviously started to slowly replace um, human readers and human scribes. And have, have you noticed any any difference, any uh, impact either way with the students? Like, for example, one of the things that I think sometimes goes amiss, although you did mention it earlier, is that that perhaps increase in confidence when there's a bit more reliance on technology rather than sort of having to ask a reader permanently to read things back is that something that you know you've noticed and is that a reason why you know you move to digital digital platforms yeah i think we we were noticing that the the demand for having that access arrangement was there and it was really about what can we do to ensure that we are meeting that need um human readers you know, as, as good as they are, you are then talking about a big percentage. So, you know, nearly one in five students potentially in our, in our cohort of 340 students needing a reader. That's not going to yeah. be possible by human method. Yeah. It's just not. Um, plus, then you come into the facts in terms of when you sit in your English papers and having your reader where well, you can't because of tone uh, and emotion and whatnot. So you need to be using your computer reader. And we just found that actually by using the computer reading program uh, on Read Write, that that actually provided students with independence. So we're, so we're promoting them and giving them tools that they can then use as they go on to college and university and later in life. You know, this type of technology is readily available for dyslexic students out there through their smartphones. They are using it constantly, whether it be to send a message, you know, to di- dictation, to send a message, whatever it may be, uh, or having it read stuff back to them and get around it like that. They're still reading they're just yeah. accessing it in a very different way. Um, and again, you know, that that ensures that it levels the playing field. So we, we recognize that and needed something to ensure that we could provide that for our students, which is why we've then implemented that program. Uh, what I would say is that for those, we, we found that the students that have a scribe would then use a human reader because we found that that ensured that the process okay. maintained pace. Um, okay. and, uh, but obviously with the exception of, of that English paper. Um, so that, that's something, that's something that we've noticed and equally the students that have engaged with it and stayed with it have got good reward out of it. Yeah. And you, you were talking earlier, just when we were talking about, it was very interesting listening to you talk about the complexities of the exam hall and with so mm-hmm. much going on at that point. And yep. you mentioned earlier on about the need to have the IT team, for example, on hand because things yep. go wrong and they do go wrong. But I'm wondering wider than that. 
you know, what at bow hunt and uh, for example, if you want to, it's up to you if you want to take lip hook particularly, the complexities of pulling the strands together. And as an example, is it and has it been important to make sure that your exams officer is working incredibly closely with your Senko? How does that relationship work and how do you foster that to be a tight working relationship that means the pupils see, see the best outcome? Yeah, absolutely. So, so in terms of our setup, we might, we might be quite unique and different to other people listening in. But the, I, I would argue that the closest relationship, uh, certainly in Lippock, uh, with the exams officer, is with our specialist teacher, um, who is then awarding the access arrangement. So previously, it was someone called Frank Paul, who now works across the trust um, at, at two of our sites and is gradually growing growing that area and that that kind of the background of it from year seven upwards um, yeah. as well as taking priority with the with the year tens and elevens and sixth forms etc uh, but in Lipbook that's now Alex Alcott who's taken that role on so they have a very close relationship um, to ensure things like you know you mentioned seating plans are in place they're correct people yeah. in the right hall you know who needs that one-to-one space because of very very high anxiety you know uh, mental health needs you know through cams etc so 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 that's where that comes into play but it, it is a vital relationship because they have to ensure that they get that information right when they send that out to parents you know the correct arrangements are in place they are available and actually i would then go one stage further and ensuring that certainly over the last two years you know we we thought we were pretty hot on it i'm, I'm going to put my hands up and so that we thought we were slightly ahead of the curve on this and and having had them informally within classes, et cetera, right the way back from 2013 for, for years seven, eight and nine and making recommendations. But it was really when we hit uh, lockdowns and we were talking about tags, um, you know, regular assessments, assessment windows, what they were going to look like, that actually it was a bit of an eye opener for us in all honesty in terms of, that one positively the amount of staff that were inputting these as common way of working within the classroom and, and following mm-hmm. through on this because that was very good but yeah. we still had a few that were saying no that's just for assessments and i've noticed this across across all schools you know not just necessarily within bet and it's like no this isn't just for gcse's this isn't just for assessments this should be you know coming back to our title that normal way of working for these students mm-hmm. and it was and it was really a big push because possibly naively i thought we had a crack um and i and i thought we were coming from a very strong standpoint but actually we then needed to go back to it and do a lot of work and put some training out there in terms of right so this is what this means you know things like where we were looking at putting on exams and thinking right okay so we've got a period six exam that's going to start there well it's 40 minutes so that's going to finish before the end of the day well no it's not because those students who have 25 percent extra time or 50 percent extra time that's going to go beyond the end of the school day that's not fair. They're not going to want to do that. Well, they might not yeah. want to do that. So we need to ensure that we are bringing that exam back for them so that they have the amount of time so that they're not getting up at the end and they're not disadvantaged. Um, because, you know, I'm sure you've seen this and heard about this, but if you've got a student that is then finishing, everyone's catching the bus, jumping on, going home, and they're sitting there yeah. still finishing, you know, that's just not going to work well. <laughs> Huge pressure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and so you, to be clear on that, so you you had to – did you have to take the 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 exams arrangements that we've talked about here and start yep. to start to sort of retrospectively look at the classroom level teacher and start to introduce PD there then to create a, a wider understanding of it long before exams time? Or did I get that right in terms of, of, of the process you had to follow there? 
Yeah, you did. I mean, it was, you know, the nuts and bolts of it was there, I think, yeah. in terms of then ensuring that it was consistent. Yeah. Um, now, this works two ways, Paddy, okay, because there is the emphasis from the member of staff to ensure that they have provided that access arrangement. So, you know, you're 25% extra time within your class for whatever piece of work you're doing. In theory, that should be every piece of work you're doing, any question you're answering, yeah. home, you know, that to a degree, is nigh on impossible, okay? Yeah, yeah. There should be that accommodation made for that. So, for example, right, Paddy, in two minutes, I'm going to ask you this question. Have a think about it. I'm going to come back. Bang, you've had your plan in time. You've had your process in time. I'm not putting you on the spot, okay? Equally, and this is the point that we're finding uh, the most, is that the expectation is on the student to use it. Okay. Yeah. Now, what we're finding is is that the stu- or what we found, sorry, was that the students necess- didn't want to necessarily use their arrangement because they'd look different from their peers. Yeah. Okay. And that and that was the you know which is something me and you have spoken about before, and that was the barrier for us. And you know, it it really rang true to me in terms of you know I had someone in our school that was fighting for better awareness of access arrangements, but didn't use them themselves. And, and but is that, does that that comes down to us though, Simon, as educators, to to actually focus on the wider picture of inclusive learning in our classrooms? That we, that you and I have talked about a lot. How do you remove stigma from a piece of assistive technology or just a piece of yeah. technology that yeah. that actually normal way of working is genuinely normal way of working? That that's just what I use. You yeah. you talked earlier about a dyslexic people using their mobile phone all the time. They don't have, give that a second thought of using no. text to speech in yeah. that. And why would it? But when it comes to a classroom environment and you're rolling out the laptop to have a text-to-speech piece on there, suddenly that's a difference. Um, and yeah. so the, there's an inclusive piece there, I guess, within the classroom to, to reduce yeah. stigma. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, usually you look at it and, you know, it does come down to the fact that exactly as you just said, they don't want to look different from their peers, the stigma that's attached to it. You know, we don't want to be special you know whatever the term may be that that they would use um or possibly something not as polite as that to each other um but when you look at the class usually the amount of students that are in that class that have an arrangement yeah is usually fairly large you know you, you could be talking sort of like a third of that class and it's disappointing that then not all of them are using it now where we have seen and i suspect we're going to come on to this with with a later question excuse me, is in our schools where we do have one-to-one devices because in all intents and purposes, that's then hidden. Other students yeah, can't yeah. see what they're accessing. They can't They can't like, listen to what they're playing back to themselves. Yeah. They can't see that they've masked their screen. You know, all of those little strategies then disappear when every single student in the class has their own device. Yeah, no, absolutely. That equity of access, you know, removes stigma, removes inclusion and is proper, proper integration, I guess, when you go, you know, I was listening as you, you were talking there about, you know, trying to instigate or try and develop that normal way of working piece. Mm-hmm. And the thing that challenges us most, uh, actually, from a textile perspective, is that call that comes into our team. It says, I need a computer reader for, for, for we Simon and, and we, we Simon. Okay. Well, what, what, what do you need for we Simon? And <laughs> when's we Simon doing his exam or oh, a week on Tuesday? Yeah. And you realize that actually Simon there or whoever the pupil is in that case has not had access to that tool across the year. And yeah. you kind of have to take a step back and go, well, I'm wondering now, am I putting Simon as a disadvantage? Yep. In his exams, because now suddenly he's been asked to learn something new to supposedly help. 
Yeah. Or or how am I actually helping them? And that's the one thing we really, I suppose, wanted to focus on 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 this. Um, and you know, in terms of that normal way of working, and I think you've answered this well, but I kind of wanted to drill into it a little bit more. What do you? Why do you see this being so crucial? That this normal way of working has to be in place throughout the year. Is it? Is it as in? Is it about confidence? Is it about awareness of technology? Is it about feeling that you're prepared for the exam? Are there things that you would highlight where you'd go, look, when people's just using this through the year, it just makes sense because what is in your head, what would you say as a practitioner, a sound practitioner on that? Well, it's all the things you've just mentioned, quite literally, as as well as going back to your example of, you know, you've got an exam in 10 days time and here's a scribe. You know, you're not going to know how to work with that person. Okay, so fundamentally, I'd pull it back to one of the things I said earlier, which would be routine. You know, you get used to it. You come in, you sit down, you log on, you flip it up. Right, this is the toolbar I need to open up. Right, there it is. And you go through that process, okay, because you know you're heading into a GCSE exam. You know, there's, of course, a level of anxiety associated with that, whatever your difficulty is, or, you know, even if you haven't got those associated learning difficulties. Um, As opposed to your example of I'm going to walk into a room and here's my computer reader. Well, how do I open this? You know, how does yeah. that work? Oh, I need to do this. All oh, right, how do I play? Oh, I don't know how to play it. How do I, you know, and, and so on and so forth. As opposed to the person or the students that have been interacting with it on a on a frequent basis yeah. in school, at home, et cetera, it becomes second nature. And, and certainly the students that we have seen use the program the best, they are by no means as high as we would like them to be in terms of, you know, number of students because yeah. it is something we push hard. But, of yeah. course, you can't necessarily force them fully uh, in, into doing that. So I think I think that's where it then comes into play because it's the same example as, you know, you kind of – you said about, you know, having to read a program. I use the example of a scribe. If you don't know how to – use a scribe and work with that you know mm-hmm. it doesn't work and we've had students severe dyslexia okay that have gone on to achieve sevens and eights at gcse level where if you take away that support and their access arrangements they're at ones and twos because they simply yeah. can't get it down on the paper they've then gone on to our sixth form okay and they've had those same tools in place so consistency for another two years and they've gone on to achieve a's and b's and gone on to university and that's what it's about as opposed to someone who goes well i know i have a computer reader but i'll use that for my gcse in two years time and they come into it they sit down and they won't use it they don't know how to use it they don't then get the benefit of it yeah and and i suppose to be fair to you know some of the rules that we all sort of almost live and die by as an exams officer senko of course the jcq requirements the jcq requirements are very very clear about all forms of access arrangements. It's an incredibly comprehensive set of guidelines, but it makes it super clear there that the reason that they can have access to, for example, a computer reader in this case is because this is their normal way of working. And it's crystal clear. And sometimes I can't help but feel that people will skip over that sort of small detail, which actually is probably the most important detail in the entire document. Do you think that normal way of working piece um, that we really do have to focus on going forward starts to open up wider discussions around inclusion. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but do you think it starts to mean that technology should be uh, able to be better embedded? Or do you think it's, which is the push-pull? Is exams helping us with technology or is technology helping us with exams, I suppose is my question. 
Uh, the latter. I, I think yeah. the technology is helping us with exams, sadly, because it's always been there the other way around. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if you go back to the example that I gave earlier, and I think you've touched on it as well, probably in terms of like everybody in the class having, you know, Chromebook and iPad, whatever, whatever, you know, pen, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, that you've got access to that device. And if you go back to when me and you were at school, uh, which is maybe quite a few years ago. <laughs> they didn't have computers. They didn't even have an abacus when I was at school, Sam, and I don't know about you. <laughs> Um, but when you go back then, you know, you'd have, you'd have been given out your colored, uh, pieces of paper, you know, well, why have I got, if you were lucky, you know, why yeah. have I got this? Why has everybody else got white? You know, so my, my point back then, you know, and this wasn't that long ago when I took over back in 2013, 14 was we'll give everybody the same color. You yeah. know, then there, there, then there's no sort of differentiation. The differentiation is there because I've done it, but to everybody else, that's fine. You know, pastel background on your slide point. You know, and what do I do as a member of staff when I stand up and I talk to staff? Black slide, white font. The worst yeah. thing I could possibly do, okay? Yeah. So you want to kind of model that behavior. But I, I think that that's there in terms of those tools around screen masking, around not being able to see what's going on. Okay, well, I didn't quite get that message. So I'm going to list, you know, we've downloaded the, the resources onto Google Classroom. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to replay that. Well, here's a QR code that I can scan on my iPad and I can watch this video about, all oh, right, okay, I get now what, what Sir was telling me. Instead of me going, hey, Paddy, what, you know, what, what's this video all about? And you tell me, they're doing it in different ways. Um, and I, I think for me, that's where that technology is then leading it, but it's still going to be of benefit. Um, but you've, you've kind of got to have that set up in class to be able to then do that. And you've still got a point. So, you know, at the, you know, I taught a tech lesson yesterday. So I stood at the front doing a demo. Okay. And then linked into the Google Classroom, we've got a video example of that. You know, here's what I did earlier, guys. Okay. And here it is. So they can then watch it back. And then I've got a picture yeah. of what it looks like on the board. So there's multiple things that can be layered into it that the students can then access because everyone will be different in the class, you know, and, and let's not underestimate the impact that this has on teachers as well. Because, you know, it has to inform part of their planning. We have to get, you know, me as a Senko, I have to get that information to them in terms of what they need. So I guess, Simon, that's one interesting thing that's really come out for me. And it comes out in lots of conversations we have, which is that importance of the wide range of stakeholders doesn't, you know, stretches across the senior leadership team, stretches probably across multi-academy trusts and some of the initiatives that we'll talk about that you're involved in, all the way through to parents and pupils themselves. And I think that's that's clearly an important thing that we've all learned about inclusion. It was always there, I guess, but with technology, I think it's become more important because we, we need to see everybody engaging. And ju just a quick point on technology. Uh, at Lipic or at Bohunt in general, what's the kind of the general provision look like for technology? Because you talked like about one-to-one -one devices yeah. there. Can you share with us just really what the, the view is on tech use? Yeah, of course you can. So in, in any of our newer schools, so Worthing from 2015, working in 2016 and Horsham uh, 2019, yeah, 2019, um, they are all one-to-one. -one. So, you know, right. Worthing now 7 to 11, Wokingham the same and Horsham 7 to 9. Uh, and they built that as they've then gone through. You've mm -hmm. then got all bar one of the other vet schools that have started in year seven, either last academic year or this academic year. So they are then gradually growing up. And they are then having their iPad throughout every single, every single year group, which for us is then, you know, uh, it's a real positive 
because it yeah. gives them an additional tool that they can then use. So as we've mentioned throughout, they're, they're not standing out as different um, from their peers. And that that is very much seen as a tool to support education. And it yeah. is to support. You know, there are times when they need to have their iPads away and go back to the traditional methods of pen and paper, you know, hands-on, be practical, whatever. So it's not that solely the iPad is used for everything, but it should be used to support learning. Um, and that's, that's, that's what we've put in place. And we've seen a big push on that since um, the pandemic across the majority of our schools as well. Yeah, and I mean, I I think I've always been a, a great advocate, as you probably know, Simon, of the the two the two things for me are flexibility and opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. to, to provide pupils with the flexibility to use the technology as their normal way of working and through exams when it suits them is a really important thing. But mm-hmm. and that's only one side of it for me. The other side is how do we encourage a, you know a classroom teacher to make sure that they actually give the the opportunity to say okay you are permitted to use your devices here and that for me has always been that chicken and egg thing about technology yeah. uses it's okay to give them the device but we really need to make sure we give them the opportunity to actually use the device and the tools that are there yeah. and, and to explore so so they're ready for the situation of exams so yeah. the thinking about um as we start to wrap up this episode just how do we start to change this conversation if you were given advice out and i know you've given some wonderful advice out through this episode but if you're working with another school and they're saying actually getting my staff to look at this as a normal way of working rather than just considering it you know three weeks before the exam period like what what's the sort of advice you would give there and why is it important that they do that legislation and jcq requirements aside what what, what do we what do we tell other schools in this regard uh, it, 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 I mean, I've given this advice. I mean, it's pretty brutal, um, but but in essence, it's you know it's going to impact on them. It's in their best interests because if you give this to students, it's proven that they will perform to their level of capability. And if you don't, you are doing a disservice to the students that you have sat in front of you in your class. That's what I like about you, Simon. Direct and straight to the point. Yeah, there's no messing around with you, Mr. Tanner. It's just, but but you're absolutely right there. I mean, the whole purpose of what we do in terms of inclusive education and working with these people is to make sure that they have the best chance. And we owe it to them to make sure they have the best chance at exams and throughout the year as well. Whatever those tools are, or human reader describes the technology pieces, whatever the practicalities of that are, it's yeah. got to be there throughout the year. And I want to go just a little bit wider, you know, as we start to wrap up. We talked earlier in your bio about the uh, Matt Send Leadership Program. Can you yeah. tell me and the listeners a little bit more about that and how that kind of impacts on your wider practice throughout? Am I right in saying throughout? other trusts yeah kind of so basically in terms of like you know short short version there so i did the mat leadership program with whole school send in 2018 uh and i met uh a fantastic mat leader who at the time was working for australia trust nicola crosley um and we kind of you know sort of touched base then and then sort of over the next couple of years a few through uh, a mutual contact uh we kind of carried on sort of conversations and that there is nothing out there at the moment that exists in terms of mat send lead support so you know as a senko i can join a whole variety of senko groups you know locally nationally 
whatever. There's nothing for Matt leaders. So we started this group. When am I? When am I going back to? It's probably been running about 18, 18 months now. We started this with a view of right. Well, it's me and you. Um, you know, we we know each other pretty well. Let's see what happens. And we purely put it out on Twitter. And I think for our first meeting, we had about fifteen or so people come along and attend. And we spoke about. We had a pretty packed agenda. Um, and we spoke about the the issues that we face within the role at the moment. You know, as as someone who has that strategic overview of SEN across the trust um, and and how we go about it. And then sort of for every meeting after that, we added sort of another 10 to 15 people. So we're up at just under 70 now. Uh, We're joined in with Whole Education. So we use Whole Education as a platform um, to, they they provide us with um, a, a meeting account effectively that that is literally what it is um and they help us in terms of sending out reminders links video clips any resources collate all that send it out so so from that perspective it's been really good because we were getting to the point of well we can't do this anymore for free we don't really want to start charging people because we think people will drop out so actually what we'd like to do is is to try and take advantage of, of that platform if we can which works then works for us so that's what we've done and So we've got now, as I mentioned, 70 mats and leaders there or thereabouts across England that are then passionate about ensuring inclusivity across and throughout their trusts. And actually what it's allowed us to do is share snippets of best practice that we're doing across, get ideas, steal ideas um, for what's going on. And equally, the biggest part of it, you know, Paddy, has actually been about reassurance that we're on the right track. You know, we are doing the same kind of things that other trusts are doing. You know, we are looking at this initiative or or we're looking to put that in. So one of the examples we've got across BET is that we've trained someone to be a mental health uh, first aid trainer. So she is now training more people within within our trust school uh, or trust schools. So, you know, that's that's got to be a positive. And, and various different people are doing things in different ways. Um, and certainly, you know, the use, how we can use technology, you know, why we're here today. Um, and, and, and that's been quite an interesting thing as well so you know it's it's grown to where we are now at around 70 um it seems to have slowed down a little bit recently in terms of numbers but then we have a meeting plan for the start of may so may the 9th where all being well if it's been published we are going to be talking about the send review um and hopefully with david bartram who's been involved in that process as well so (laughs) i suspect that that will gain some interest yeah um, and it will be very interesting to see what comes out of that send review because if there's anything specifically relating to mapped and send provision then i suspect that's going to be a big platform for us to try and push on and, and kind of get over the hundred um, and when simon is that date what's the date for that one so the next meeting is on the 9th uh, of may and then we've got another meeting um start of july they're an hour they're done via Zoom. Um, the only criteria is that you are in charge of SEN or inclusion across your mat. Okay. That is literally it. Um, we've had some people try to join that aren't, and we've said no, but, you know, you have you have, kind of have to have that entry requirement. I know. I can't believe you wouldn't let me in that last session. Simon, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, yes, absolutely refused. Oh, no, you're not dying, you're not getting in, I think was how that went. Absolutely, but, um, no business. And how do, for those other MAT professionals and MAT leaders, how do they get involved in that? Do they contact you? Do they just watch out on Twitter? What's the best way of doing that? 
yeah, all of those. So it's quite literally drop me an email, contact me via Twitter, drop me a DM, and you're in. It's it, it's as simple as that. We've had we've picked up a few recently um, because now Matt leaders are starting to kind of meet with other Matt leaders, and they're saying, oh, you know, guess what? You need to be involved in this. This is a good group to be part of. Um, and yeah, we're seeing we're seeing how it can grow. So yeah, that's 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 simply that's simply it. But it's been good your to- your email address, Simon Mister S E N D Tanner at Hotmail Is that where we're no? But what we'll do in the show notes, Simon. In all seriousness, we'll put if it's okay with you, we'll put your Twitter handle in on the show yep. notes. So if anybody wants to reach out that are involved in leadership at, at a mat level, uh, yep. I'm sure you'd be more than happy to hear from them. Uh, yeah. Although I'm quite sure that given the community that we have in the UK, you probably know most of these people already anyway and are, and are working with them but if anybody's listening and does want to reach out I'm, I'm sure you'd love to hear from them um, and, and I guess there has to be there has to be some considerable impact to initiative like that you talked about reassurance and you talked about looking at being progressive you talked about sharing good practice but ultimately for me that must be a fabulous way to look at uh, send leaders within trust and just how that starts to push down I mean a simple thing like today uh, in terms of access arrangements, hearing about that at a platform like that must start to have ripples and waves out throughout, you know, a plethora of schools around the country because of this network, I'm guessing. Yeah, it does. And, you know, what's really interesting is that my role as director of SENS across BET is very different to how somebody else's is across whatever trust they're working for. It, yeah. it, you know, it could very much depend on their experience um how much they work in terms of how many times you know I've, I've known it to be you know so, like the whole week and this is my focus and nothing else and i've equally yeah. known it to be someone that is on the end of an email chain or a phone if they need advice and, yeah. it, and it looks so different so of course that's something that then helps those people to say well actually look in these trusts they're doing it like this and actually this is having impact and progress for the yeah. same learners. So they're pushing, uh, pushing and promoting within that to improve their own trust. Well, yeah. that to us is what it's all about because that's then going to hopefully result in more positive outcomes for students with sent. Yeah. Well, ju- just um, uh, we're, n- we're nearly finished with this episode. Sadly, I could probably talk all day, but I know you've got a mountain of paperwork there that's waiting for you later on today, Simon. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was just something that I missed out actually earlier that I was thinking about when you were talking. We were talking about stakeholders and we were saying, you know, we're talking about parents and we're talking about leadership and we're talking about exams officers. But, you know, there's technology providers in this too. And sometimes we forget to ask the question, is text help? And we go, well, actually, is there anything we should be doing to help the ed tech industry, the technology industry, the inclusive technology industry is obviously there to help. But is there anything more we could be doing apart from things like this where we're raising the profile and we're kind of, we're kind of helping spread the message because, you know, we always want to hear about it. Um, what should text help be doing in this instance, do you think, that, that can help this? Well, I mean, it's a really good question and, and not to kind of, you know, be too complimentary about the service that you provide. But I think, you know, you are one of the market leaders and you are the market leaders for a clear reason in that you do do things like this. You know, you do promote, you do constantly provide videos of support, which are useful for parents. So for me as a, as a, as a Senko, for me to be able to say, look, this is our read, write program. This is how we use it. And here's some videos, please watch that are a minute and a half, two minutes they're yeah. short and snappy. So from that perspective, that's helpful. Um, the number one thing for me is, of course, being able to have access to it in school and at home. 
you know, and I think during the pandemic, everyone was so great with, with EdTech across everywhere, yeah. just going, right, bang, wallop, have this. And I suppose now we are seeing, you know, what people are finding is useful and is of quality. Um, where you've now done the updates and there are constantly updates coming through, I think that's proved useful because some of the conversations we've had in terms of, right, well, if it just did this, that would be, you know, that would kind yeah. of make ease of use a little bit better. Um, I mean, you know, if I'm, like you said earlier, I get straight to the point. I suppose the number one thing is in terms of the voice that's that's on the program, but that's the same for any type of voice activated yeah. software that you use. And sometimes the students are like, oh, I don't like the voice, but that's literally initially first yeah. go-to thought. But those that then engage with it and use it, it you know, disappears into the background. It's not important anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, look, Simon, you know, thank you so much for your time today. I always, always, you may not believe this, but I learn so much anytime I'm talking to you. And I, I always love the chances that we get to have uh, to have a chat. And those those chats in real life have been few and far between over the last couple of years. In fact, they've been non-existent, I think, over the last couple of years. Just the one. Um, just so, the yeah, one. That's true. That's true. Uh, I forgot about that one. Let's not talk about that one anymore. Um, but but that said, I have learned so much from our chat today and really appreciate your time. And um, particular, I suppose, takeaway for me is that stakeholder piece. That's why I'm gonna I'm gonna take away from here. And because when when we think about exams, we think about right, we need to talk to the exams officer, we need to talk to the exams officer, we need to make the pupils are aware of how they can access this. But realizing that there's a world out there, you know, that we can be supporting and also delivering these strategies that help with access arrangements and the normal way of working throughout the year has, has been of immense help. And I know it will be to all of our listeners on Text Hub Talk. So, Simon, all that remains for me to do is say thank you for your time today. It's very much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Really, really appreciated it uh, and, and loved it. It's been great fun to catch up. It's great to see you. And I will put your um, Twitter address in the show yes. notes. Our team will do that. Uh, and any other links that you've referenced there today, um, we'll, we'll obviously put those in. Uh, and I'll even stick in links to the access range for JCQ in the show notes today. But I'm quite sure everybody has access to those. Um, so that concludes another episode of the Text Help Talks podcast for today. We are, of course, the podcast that bring you a host of experts covering a range of topics from education right through into workplace and i would encourage you all to subscribe to text help talks you can do that through your preferred podcast player or even just a streaming service such as spotify and you'll never miss an episode and by all means please do reach out to myself to the team at text help or indeed to simon using the hashtag text help talks on Twitter. Post questions to us, post comments. We'd love to hear your feedback and anything that any of us can do to help. I have no doubt that we'll be happy to. Hey,